I started in the aluminum industry back in the 70s. Uh, I graduated as a young metallurgical engineer, uh, was thrown into the cast house uh, of a major aluminum company, and I had to uh, understand where waste was generated because back then the value of aluminum was a little bit lower and I was focused on the waste products. It's just where I got put. And I enjoyed the um, uh, watching the development of those recycling of those waste products over the years because when I started it was a landfill material. Uh, now the, the dross, which is the common waste product in the aluminum operation, is a resource and it goes in two directions. First, you want to keep as much as possible inside the furnace and the material that's inside the furnace that you do ultimately take out, you want to preserve its value as much as possible so that you can recycle it without generating any secondary waste products. So would you say that your experience is more focused on the waste produced by the aluminum smelting industry? Let's say dross? My, my basic technology knowledge is all around dross. I have several patents in that area uh, on the development of equipment and processes for dross processing. But as you get into dross processing, you also have to know about what makes dross. So uh, I'm very versed in melting techniques on how to generate less dross uh, and uh, burner situations and furnace designs, all focused on reduction of dross. Dross is very important. When I walk into a casting facility, I can look at a customer's pile of dross and tell if his process is right on or if he has a process problem because in the dross tells the whole story of the cast house and I'm very good at reading that story just from walking in and seeing that dross. Okay, now for a young engineer to understand the evolution of the dross handling for what it was in the 70s to what it is right now, what could you tell him and what would be the changes that we should expect for the handling of the dross in the future? I think I think I, when I give presentations to people on dross processing, I have this slide and it shows, it's the typical, you know, caveman to astronaut slide, right? As you, you go through the ages. And in the, in the 70s, when I started, we were the caveman. We took the material and we essentially threw it away. Uh, a lot of people got rich off that. There were some very clever people who understood that that material was full of aluminum. But as the years progressed, we learned about cooling the dross. We learned about um, enhancing the properties of the dross by not letting it burn. We learned all of these different techniques and now we're kind of at the apex of this and where we're learning now to, to, to recycle the dross without generating any secondary waste products and keeping the aluminum inside the furnace, which is the most important aspect. And these are relatively new technologies that have developed over 40 years and I try and bring that knowledge to young people because um, there's, a lot of, there's not a lot of people out there who have the knowledge of what happened in the past to understand how to develop the future. As for the dross handling, I have a big question. What is better? Have techniques that allow the industry to have a good management of dross or, on the contrary, look for better practices and technologies that help to generate the least amount of trust possible? Yeah, that's, that's, that's always the, the answer or the main question. 
Um, when I go into a customer's facility, he, he has a pile of dross and he says, well, what can I do with this dross? And the first question or the first comment I normally give him is, well, what can we do not to generate so much of this material in the first place? And that's with charging techniques and that's with burner configurations and that's with uh, skimming techniques. All of these kind of things that a customer needs to look at first before he generates how he's going to handle that material. Because, you know, if he can cut the generation in half, it saves him big money. It saves him big money through secondary processing charges. It saves him big money through keeping that metal in the furnace in the first place and not paying it to remelt it twice. Excellent. I have a personal question as a young engineer in this industry. What is the biggest challenge you see with young engineers today? I think the, the biggest challenge for me as a young engineer was recognizing, first of all, recognizing when you were trained. Uh, the, the, the disadvantage of young engineers now versus when I started is you don't get the kind of in-depth training um, from other metallurgical engineers and other senior engineers who teach you the process. Nowadays, young, young engineers graduate, they're thrown into a situation to be a process engineer and they have no idea of what the process is and what the old processes do and where we move to process improvements. I think I had that advantage as a young engineer and was able to grow from that. Unfortunately, I see the young engineers now without that advantage. And uh, for me, it was a major positive step versus the challenge that I see young people have now. As I understand, a good recommendation for those new engineers in this industry would be to have a mentor who helped them to walk the path while teaching them the processes and help them to avoid making the same mistakes of the past, right? Yeah, I think you have to have um, uh, the opportunity to talk to someone who's objective about solutions. I've always tried to be objective, although I've spent a good portion of my career developing and selling various pieces of equipment. I try and be objective to the engineer on whether the solution that is presented is the right solution for his particular application, whether it be a furnace design or a dross processing technique um, uh, or anything in that area. You, you have to be objective about the solution. You can't just present the solution that you happen to have in your back pocket or that you're selling. Um, and it's very important as, as an engineer and, and now in my career as a consultant salesperson to be objective with your customer so that that customer really gets the idea and the feel that you're helping him develop himself and develop his company and moving it forward in an objective way so that that solution is the right solution, not just the solution that you happen to be selling. So if we could give those young engineers some tips that will help them, let's say, to have better practices, what could those three or four tips be? Well, I'm not sure you can give them just five tips or four tips or whatever, but I think first, you know, in, in the development of a cast house, you have to be safe, okay? And I think the first thing to look at is always the condition of the scrap. Uh, is it wet? Is it dry? Um, are there contaminants that can be dangerous? Okay, that's always the first step. Uh, the next step is when you charge that material, you want to be sure that it's evenly distributed into the bath. Um, 
Uh, and typically, you, people like to charge as much scrap as possible to shorten their workloads and it's stuffed to the ceiling and the burners are hitting it and you're getting tremendous melt losses. There's equipment now that would that automatically charge those furnaces and the, the bath is distributed. The scrap is distributed very evenly on the bath and with new AI and in-furnace cameras and these kind of technologies that are very new to the industry, you can actually tell when the furnace slumps so that the charge machine comes back and lays new cold material on old cold material. Again, from a safety viewpoint, because you don't want to charge into a molten bath. Um, after you've done that, right, the next step, skim that dross out very, very carefully. It's not being skimmed by a fork truck where the boom is banging and you're falling aluminum out into the skim pan. You want it to be very automated, very smooth, very very clever as it comes out. And, and this is done by new designs of equipment. So it's a mix between good practices and the right technology. Yeah, and, and these ways are being developed. Um, uh, you know, in the 1970s, uh, dross recoveries, and, and when you look at dross recoveries and dross generation, you see how good melting technologies are. As those recoveries go up, you saw technologies go up. Now we're in a unique place where the actual aluminum content in the dross is going down. Why? Because we've got that technology to leave the aluminum in the furnace now and to pull out the dross, cool it very rapidly, and then separate the aluminum from the oxides without generating waste product. I mean, the, the worst thing our industry has ever seen is the recovery of uh, dross from a rotary furnace. And I love rotary furnaces. They're a good tool, but they generate as much waste as they generate aluminum. And, and our environmental aspects of our responsibilities in the aluminum industry can't accept that. We have to figure out better ways, and we have figured out better ways. Okay, now that you are getting into this very important topic that is the environment and how the industry is related to it, I want to jump to the next question. Where do you think the aluminum smelting industry is going to move in the following years having taken into account all this new environmental regulation. You know, I, I go into cast houses, and I have to say that most of the cast houses I go into nowadays want to make that improvement. They want to move to that next level. They want to move to that next step. I think people recognize now that uh, they can melt aluminum without generating waste products. And so they're looking for those ideas and those technologies that can make it a safer operation, make it an operation that requires less manpower, make it an operation that generates less CO2, uh, and make it an operation that less, generates less waste. And, and the industry as a whole finds that important now. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that wasn't important. You know, you were trying to melt as much aluminum as possible um, and do it in the quickest amount of time. I had many, many clients that the only thing they worried about where the pounds out the door. Now, that's not the case. It's not just pounds out the door, but it's efficient pounds out the door with low environmental impact. Interesting. Having said that, David, what do you think are the next steps that the foundry industry should take to move into the next level? And what will be those market opportunities that the new trends bring? Well, I think there's so many cast houses out there that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years, right? And I, I walked into a cast house last week, and they really had no idea 
of the newer technologies. They, they thought that they were kind of locked in to generating a certain amount of dross and a certain recovery. Uh, and where I get excited is about telling customers of the opportunities where they can lower their um, melt losses, increase the recovery inside the furnace. Um, and every customer, I think, is genuinely interested in that now because you have a new generation of people, young people like yourself, who don't want to do things the same old way. Yes, they're straddled with some of these things where people didn't reinvest in their company, but the market is great right now. The automotive market is just driving the aluminum industry uh, with electric vehicles, with uh, new aluminum frames and body sheet, and just the whole transportation industry is, is making the aluminum industry very exciting. But it needs to be exciting because people pay attention now with how much waste, how much energy, and how, how I'll say, convenient or uh, interesting it is to make that product. Young people don't want to sweat in front of a furnace. They want to be able to be part of a process that generates something in a very economical way, in a very environmentally sound way. And that's why we see automated controls and cameras and all these things that help a process be much, much better. Okay, interesting. Now, speaking of the transition of the aluminum cast houses, what would be those practices that we should keep and which ones you definitely think should be changed? I, you know, I think the basics, right? The basics is industry in the United States is born from recycling. Uh, I think the, the, the U.S. recycling industry has led the world. Um, Uh, you will see more innovations from sidewell furnaces, from mechanical pumps, from vortex melting, from combustion burner systems that use different levels of oxygen in different atmospheres. A lot of that uh, uh, has been developed in the United States. And the United States and North America looks at that and has been the leader for selling that technology to the world. Now I also see an input from all over the world, especially from Europe, on fine-tuning those aspects of getting a little bit better in, in looking at higher-tech solutions, the video camera systems, the automation, the automated charging, the automated skimming, the, the atmosphere-controlled melting. Um, uh, so we're, we're going to that next step, and we're getting a lot of European manufacturers that help us get to that next step. because. Honestly, the U.S. had a had kind of a, a lag period. They had great recycling, and then all of a sudden they just liked the status quo. Now I see everybody wanting to move away from that status quo. Okay, David, thank you so much. Uh, we, we will keep in touch. Okay, thank you. <laughs>